Um, I've been thinking this week about funhouse mirrors. I don't know if any of you know what they are. Perhaps I'm dating myself by even bringing them up, but have you ever been to a place that had funhouse mirrors or carnival mirrors? Uh, you know, the kind that you look into and you appear either uh, super short, super tall, super fat, or my favorite, super thin. <laughs> Um, and, and funhouse mirrors, they go by many names, but they're best known as distortion mirrors because that's what they do. They distort your view. You look at them in the natural and they reflect a distorted image back to you. Funhouse mirrors are usually convex or concave. They're, they're curved and crooked and it's purposeful. It's done to create a distorted if effect in order to mislead you, and they work. So although the, the view reflected back to, to you when you look into one is false and inaccurate, it appears to be real to you. Imagine if I looked at a funhouse mirror and I actually walked away believing what I saw. That would be silly. If I didn't realize that the mirror was distorted and I actually thought it was an accurate depiction, that would be absurd. And yet, that's what we do when we get caught up looking at our troubles and our trials from a natural perspective when God has told us clearly in his word that they're spiritual. The enemy uses those natural circumstances to distort our view and to get our eyes off of the spiritual. Scripture tells us that I, and I've told you time and time again in this series, that we are not to be unaware of the enemy's schemes. Ephesians 6, uh, the, the passage we've been studying for the last couple of weeks, in particular tells us that our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not in the natural. But it's against rulers, against authorities, uh, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. It is not a natural battle. It's a spiritual battle. It is never about what's happening to us in the natural. That's fake news. That's a carnival mirror. That's a distorted mirror. If you're looking at what is happening to you in the natural, the circumstances, the trials, the tribulations, the, the hard things that are happening to you, and you're looking at them in the natural, I want to remind you tonight that you are a spiritual being. And the Bible tells us that any battle we're fighting is not fought in the natural. It's in the, the supernatural, in the, the spiritual. And the enemy puts those funhouse mirrors in front of you, trials and tribulations and troubles, and he says, look at this, get your eyes on this. And he distorts your view of the whole circumstance and gets you to focus on that and believe what you're seeing. And then you take your eyes off where the battle really is in the spiritual realm. <clears throat> I, I was thinking about um, when I was in high school, we used to do these science experiments that, about refraction. Are you, do you remember those, exper uh, those experiments where you would fill a clear glass with water? I actually have one, that, a video that I showed, uh, had Don, I sent to Don, where you fill a glass with water. We can go ahead and play it, uh, Don, where you take water and a pencil, a clear plastic cup, and then you fill it with water, and there we go. And you stick that pencil in the glass and fill it with water. Now watch what happens. 
as you're filling it with water, look how the pencil gets distorted. It actually appears like it's broken. It appears like it's fat on the bottom and skinny on the top. Do you see that? It's a distortion. It's meant to play with your brain. Your brain actually looks at that and reads it a way that is not true. Oh, that's what the enemy does to us. He distorts our view. He gets us to look at the circumstances and he makes it appear one way when really it's happening another. If I pulled that pencil out of that glass of water, you would see that nothing really had happened to it. It was a distortion. And that's what the enemy of our soul does to us. It's distorted simply because of the environment that surrounds it. We live in a world where distortions happen every single day. We have an enemy who specializes in distorting things. What we feel, what we see, what we hear is often distorted by the environment it we're immersed in. Things that are straight, hear me, appear crooked. Things that are crooked appear straight to our natural mind. We think that's okay, everybody else is doing it. Even though it's crooked, the enemy entices and he says, look at this, it's really okay, it's acceptable, everybody else is doing it. And he takes what's crooked and makes it appear real and straight to you and gets you to buy into the lie that is really acceptable. I saw this experiment done with an arrow. Somebody put two thick arrows on a piece of paper and they were going one direction. And then when you hide it behind the glass of water, the arrows honestly switch directions. And I thought, man, isn't that what the enemy does to us? He, he confuses and he says, this is the way. And then he distorts it so it looks like the way we really need to be going is the other direction. When all the while God's word says, this is the way you go. But the enemy brings distortions. We live in this type of atmosphere. We often lose our ability to discern right from wrong, straight from crooked, broken from whole. And that's why we need the word of God, the Bible, to show us the way. And rea our reality has been distorted by an environment that's worldly and filled with sin. And that's why it's so important to stay girded in the truth. Girded in God's word, because viewing our circumstances through the lens of this physical world is like viewing that pencil through that glass of water. It's, it's distorted, and we will, be, we will end up fighting the wrong battles. We will end up choosing the wrong way, and that's why it's vital that we begin to understand where the battle lies, and that's what I want to talk to you about tonight, but would you just first pray with me? Oh, Father, I have so much to say, and... Um, help me to discern what's necessary and what's not and what's vital and what's not. And I pray, Lord, that my words would, be not word, would not be words of human wisdom. Father, that they would be words of power, that they would be uh, words directly downloaded from heaven, that they would be a demonstration of your Holy Spirit's power. Fill my mouth with your words, Lord God. Let me say only what you tell me to say. And I pray, Lord, that hearts would be ready and prepared to receive your word, that it would penetrate hearts and minds, that it would truly change people. I pray for every hardened heart that, that is, is, is uh, present in this house tonight. I speak to the hardened hearts here in the mighty name of Jesus, and I command them to be softened and ready for the seed of God's word to be planted. And I declare and decree over every person here that they will have ears to hear and a heart to receive, and that your word, Lord, is 
going to produce a harvest in this house tonight. Not 30, not 60, but 100 fold. And I give you praise and honor and glory because of it. We love you, Lord. And we want to see you magnified and exalted in this place. We lift up your word here. We exalt your name here. And Lord, we ask you to move powerfully among your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, you can open them to the passage you've been opening to for the last couple weeks. I'm sorry, we're almost through it. Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 20. I want to read to you, normally I preach from the New King James Version, but just to change it up a bit tonight, I want to read to you from the, the New International Version, the NIV. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. You can't let one of these out. You've got to put it on the full armor of God. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. You see, the devil has schemes. Uh, trust that they're going to come. <laughs> but, but he doesn't have power in your life unless you give it to him. Uh, so, so you need to put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against, resist the devil. So you can take your, your stand against the devil's schemes. For your struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces in the, of evil in the heavenly realm. Therefore, because of that, put on the full armor of God so that when, not if, hear this, that when the evil day comes, it's not an if. It's going to come in your life, and it comes in the forms of, of trials and tribulations and temptations. When the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, oh, I like, I like here's where I like the New King James better. It says, above all, above all, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit. Oh, hmm. Don't get me started on that one. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray for me also that whenever I speak, words may be given that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. We're going to look at the shield of faith tonight. The Bible says above all, take up. Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flame arrows of the evil one. So we're going to talk tonight about the, the, the shield of faith. Back during Paul's time, warriors, soldiers carried a huge oblong shield into battle. I think we have a picture of it right there it is. Um, that is an, an authentic shield that they've dated back to this time. One of the strategies of the enemies of the Romans was to hurl flaming arrows at the Roman soldiers when they were advancing. These flaming arrows, or fiery darts as some translations call them, were one of the most dangerous weapons in, in ancient warfare. A, a Roman shield was about four feet high and two and a half feet wide. It was the size of a door. The root uh, of the Greek word that's used here for shield actually means door. 
The Roman shield was tailor-made. This is what I really want you to not miss. It was tailor-made for each soldier, and it was designed to completely cover his body. And the exact measurements of the soldier. It, it, Romans 12.3 says that God has dealt to every man a measure of faith. Don't miss this, that it's a shield of faith, that this door was measured to fit to shield the soldier. And Romans tells us now spiritually that every one of us has been dealt a measure of faith. That means each one of us has a tailor-made shield of faith. Measured to fit your life. Measured to, to give you exactly what you need to keep yourself safe in battle. The measure of faith that God knew you were going to need for every battle you face. It's shield enough. It's enough shield to, to keep you safe in battle, like the shields that were carried by the Roman soldiers. The shield design was unique. The, the shield was made of two sections of wood, and it was covered with multiple layers uh, of thick animal hide that was tightly woven together. In fact, Rick Renner, one of my favorite commentators, says it was usually six layers of animal hide that were specially tanned and then woven together so tightly that they became nearly as strong as steel. One piece of leather is tough, but can you imagine how tough six, six layers of leather would have been? And so because of how it was made, the shield of the Roman soldier was extremely tough and extremely durable. However, because it was made of leather, it would easily dry out. And so it could be damaged over a period of time if it dried out. And it was susceptible, a dry shield would have been very susceptible to those flaming arrows. And so it was vital that a soldier knew how to maintain his shield. Oh, can I tell you, soldiers of Christ, it is vital that you know how to maintain your shields. It was important that daily the, the soldiers would oil their shields. This is not Rhea making this up. If you go back and look at history, you can find all of this out. But it's amazing to me how God knows all this stuff. It's just he's so smart. But, but what would happen is they'd have to, because that shield was made of leather and could so easily dry out and become brittle, it was vital that the soldiers would, uh, would oil those shields. And so every day they would take their, their, their shield back and they would rub it, rub it, rub it, rub it, rub it with oil, layer after layer after layer until that shield became so and soft, pliable, if you will. And, and as I was reading about that, I thought, oh my goodness, look at the application into our own spiritual life, because Paul calls it a shield of faith. And oil is always, as you know, symbolic of the Holy Spirit, of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. If a soldier got lazy and he did not oil his shield, he would be very susceptible when it came to battle. That Those fiery uh, arrows that Dawn showed you the picture of, would be very, uh, uh, he'd be very vulnerable to those arrows in, in a battle. Oh, church, can I tell you that you and I need to daily oil our shield. We need to get in the presence of the Lord. We need to tarry in the presence of the Lord, in the presence of the Holy Spirit, and let the anointing of the Spirit fall upon our life. We need to oil our life daily with the sweet Holy Spirit. That anointing is vital. Otherwise, we'll become hardened and stiff and put us in a place of danger to the enemy's attacks. We can't afford to be lazy. 
The other thing that a soldier would have to do is he would soak his shield in water before going out to battle because he knew about the enemy's tactics. He knew that the enemy would be firing those, those um, fiery darts or those fiery arrows at him. And so he would soak his shield in water. As I told you earlier, one of the most deadly weapons that they had at their disposal were those fiery arrows. And the enemy would shoot those arrows that had been dipped. They, they would dip them in pitch and wrap them with some fabric. And, and, and they would fire them at the approaching army. And by, by soaking their shields in water, the army would be prepared for those flaming arrows that were going to come at them. And so what the soldier would do is he would thrust his, his shield forward to protect himself against the fiery dart. And that dart would sink into that leather and wood that was drenched in water and it would immediately be extinguished. It was not unusual during a battle for soldiers to, to be seen covered with smoking arrows that looked like porcupines. I think we have a picture of, of a shield that's covered with arrows, Don. Do you have that picture? See how it looks like, and, and they would just reach into the shield and they would yank those arrows out and they would go back into battle. <laughs> so interesting to me, because I want to talk to you about fiery darts. There's a video that I want to show you about how the arrows were made. It's fascinating to me. I hope it is to you. It's just short, but I want you to see it. Incendiary arrows have proven especially effective in sieges of cities or fortresses. So today we're used to the idea of death and destruction coming from the skies. Uh, bombs and missiles raining terror on cities of cities in flames. But cities in flames, uh, it, it, that, that's as old as when men fought with a bow and arrow, because they used incendiary arrows. Blacksmith Jens Christiansen works on the essential part of the weapon, the iron head. In order for a flaming arrow to remain lit when shot in the air, the head has to be carefully forged. Jens is forming a small basket, or cage, out of the four iron branches meant to hold flammable material. So this is the arrow that I made with Jens. So it's got the sulfur at its core, around that is the dead wood, and then on the outside is the toe dipped in tar. So we've got the tar going, the pitch is going on the outside. Let's see how it will perform. Hopefully that's getting hot enough to get the deadwood lit inside. The wooden house with its straw roof will be destroyed within two minutes of Mike's shot. An elaborate arrowhead and a sticky incendiary mix a millennia-old technique deployed in countless conflicts. Fascinating, isn't it? The enemy would soak the tips in flammable liquid and wrap them with fabric so it would burn with intense flames. The arrow shaft was actually hollowed out and filled with flammable liquid so that on impact it would combust and cause an explosion. Can I just tell you that our enemy has the same goal? He fires his fiery darts at us. They come in the form of um, 
I don't know, somebody being critical, judgmental, a nasty word, an unkind word. Uh, it comes in the form of a temptation. It comes in, he fires, he, whatever, whatever your weakness is, he knows, and he's got a fiery dart ready for you, and he fires them at you, and, and every time he uses, usually he uses someone uh, who's vulnerable to shoot a fiery dart our way in the form of an unkind, nasty word, for example. And when you're tempted to explode, I want to tell you there's an enemy behind it. He wants the impact of those words or those actions to promote an explosive response in the midst of a fiery situation. Don't give him what he wants. Or if you find yourself getting enraged over something or furious about a situation, I promise you it's because there's a fiery dart that's been, been shot at your shield and your shield wasn't wet enough to extinguish it. It, got, it penetrated. Satan sends his fiery darts hoping they will hit our mind, hit our emotions, and inflame them. Let's talk about, let's flesh that out, and what does that really look like? What's a fiery dart that's that, that, that hits your life occasionally? Somebody cuts you off. Okay, that's a good one. And then the dart comes because you're going, you're happy. Praise the Lord. It's a good day. Somebody cuts you off in traffic. That fiery dart hits you. It wants to inflame you. It wants you to flip them off. It wants you to give them a fist in the, in the windshield. And, and you have a choice. Did you have time soaking in the word that morning? The water of the word. Did the water of the word soak your shield that morning? Will that dart get extinguished? Because you choose to put up your shield. That dart is coming and you put up your shield of faith. And you say, nope, I'm not going to respond in like manner. I'm going to let the shield, the word of God that I've soaked in all morning, put that out and extinguish it. And I'm going to be untouched by the enemy's fiery dart. What's another fiery dart that comes our way? Uh, yeah, let's really talk mean though let just stub your toe that makes you want to say a nasty word when you stub it yep the other enemy start somebody gossiped about you and it got back to you <laughs> and so you won't go tell them a thing or two if you're like Rhea you want to tell them a thing or two you want to make sure they're called out about that and so your word comes back to you that 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 person has talked about you and you have a choice will you let that fiery dart hit you and bring an explosion make you say a thing or two lose your temper go talk about them to somebody respond in a like manner or will you put up your shield of faith and say, you tell me, Lord, to bless my enemies and to pray for those who persecute me. I'm going to just bless that person right now in the name of Jesus. And I, I just ask you, Father, to draw them closer to you, to reveal yourself to them. Lord, I pray for conviction to come upon their heart right now in the name of Jesus. And I just ask you to wash this thing off of me so that I don't fret over this, so that I don't continue to take up any space in my head. Lord God, I need you to just cleanse me of that right now in the name of Jesus. And I thank you for it. My shield of faith is up. I've been drenched in your spirit. I am oiled up and that thing has no power in my life do you see the difference do you see the difference how about sexual temptation comes your way come on ladies we just want somebody to look at us we want to I'm feeling a little vulnerable a little weak my husband's not giving me the attention he needs to give me and you know I go out and I just want a little attention I just want a little attention Lord I, I'm not, I don't have a husband who treats me like I need to be treated I just need a little attention Lord and the temptation comes, a fiery dart gets fired because just the right person walks in the room and gives you the right amount of attention. And man, that fiery dart, 
boom, right across your shield because you haven't been oiled up. You haven't been spending time in the Word. You haven't elevated the Word over your life. And so as a result, zoom, that fiery dart explosion in your life. Sexual temptation brings you down. Don't blame anybody. Don't blame anybody but yourself for not soaking your shield, for not oiling your shield. We have to put up the shield. He says, take it up. Every other piece of armor, he says, put on. You're wearing it. But the shield of faith, I got to take it up. I got to make the effort. Nobody's going to take it up for me. I have to make up, uh, take, I have to take that shield up. He's aiming those fiery darts, hoping they hit your mind, hoping they, they hit your emotions and inflame them. Ephesians 6 says, above all, Take up the shield of faith with which you'll be able to extinguish the fiery darts of the wicked one. Above all, above everything else, take up that shield of faith. Use that shield to quench. To, it means to extinguish. Uh, it means to go out. It means to suppress or to strife. Use that shield to suppress your sexual temptation. Use that shield to suppress your anger. Use that shield to suppress your self-pity. Use that shield to suppress your defeat. Use that shield to suppress your jealousy, to quench it. The word quench there means to douse or drown in water. It refers to that soaking of the, the shield of the Roman soldier. That fiery dart will have no power. It will just fizzle out when it hits a shield that's been saturated in water in the word of God. We can't afford to let these darts get through our shield of faith, but by always keeping, uh, 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 by always keeping, uh, reminding ourselves that we're not fighting against flesh and blood, we're fighting against rulers and principalities and evil forces. That means that that word that came flying at you, that gossip that came flying at you, that that person who cut you off in traffic or the the, the toe you stubbed, that you're not fighting against flesh and blood. This isn't about a person. This is about the enemy of your soul who comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. He's targeted you, and he wants to catch you with your shield down. He wants to catch you with your shield down. He wants to inflame your emotions with the temptation or your heart with anxiety. And if your shield is dry, it will be set on fire. The enemy comes moment after moment, day after day, firing a thought, firing a situation, firing an illness, firing a, firing a financial issue, firing discord, firing disunity, firing jealousy. And we have a choice. Will we take up our shield and quench that dart? Or, here's the other option, will we allow him to use our mouth to fire another flaming missile to somebody else's life? I always tell you, if someone has hurt you, feel sorry for them. Because they are in a position where they were vulnerable that they made themselves available for the enemy to use to get to you. You need to feel sorry for somebody like that, not be angry with them. I was talking to my son this week. My, I have a son who's a SWAT officer, and he has, he's decked with all kinds of protection. And he has a bulletproof vest that he wears all the time, and it's really, really heavy. I've talked to you about it before. And, and I said, Bob, what happens if you get shot in your bulletproof vest? I said, you know, if it's just a regular caliber uh, bullet, will it penetrate? He said, no, it won't penetrate, but I'll still feel it, Mom. And, and I said, well, what, what happens? He said, well, it might knock me off my feet. It might bruise, bruise me. It might break a rib, but it won't kill me. 
It'll knock me off my feet, but it won't kill me. And I thought to myself, oh, isn't that how the shield of faith works? The enemy sends that arrow, and he's looking to take us down. He's looking to, to, to take us out. And we need to be so purposeful and so intentional about staying saturated in the word of God, drenched in the Holy Spirit, oiled in his presence, that when the enemy launches his attack, when he fires his best missile at us, that it might take, we might take a hit to the gut. It might hurt. We might say, oh, that hurt. But we're going to reach in and pull that thing out out and we, we, it's going to be powerless in our life. We've got to get to that point where we have, made, we have become so immersed in the word of God that it doesn't have a power in our life to cause an explosion any longer. I am absolutely not going to give him ground to, do, to launch another fiery attack from my own mouth. That thing is going to be extinguished in my life because we're not unaware of the enemy schemes. We might say, oh, it got me. That was a fiery dart right there. So <laughs> Leslie and I were talking the other day, and, and we were saying, you know, basically, that was a fiery dart. Don't be unaware. Pull that thing out of your armor because it can't get through. Don't let that thing penetrate. You see, the more you think on that thing, the more you fret about that thing, the more you rehearse it in your mind, that the dart penetrates. He's looking to inflame your emotions. He's looking to inflame your, your mind. He's looking to bring anxiety and fear and anger. Don't give him power to do that in your life. Jesus modeled this for us. I'm, I'm struck by it. I was trying to think this week of all the, the places in the word of God where Jesus was not unaware. And the enemy tried to fire a dart and it didn't work. And the first one that came to mind was Peter. Do you remember Peter when he, uh, you know, came to Jesus and he told him not to, he wasn't going to go to the cross. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. This was right after he had said to Peter, you're a rock and I'm going to build the church on that rock. And then just a few verses down Jesus is saying, get behind me, Satan, because you don't have the things of God in mind. <laughs> he wasn't talking to Peter when he said that. He was talking to the force behind Peter. He was talking to the, to, to the enemy who was using Peter to try to get to him and discourage him from going to the cross. Then you remember when, Jesus, when Peter denied Jesus not once, not twice, but three times. You remember that when, when Peter did that? Oh, no, I'm not going to deny you. And then he denied him not once, not twice, but three times. And, you know, Rhea is a different person than Jesus. I wish I was more like him, but you deny me, baby cakes. That's mm. not a good thing. Ask my team. My Monday night team will tell you loyalty is everything to me. I'll take loyalty over anything. Uh, it means everything to me. Uh, and so lo that's a big deal to me. And so deny me. Oh, I'm going to tell you a thing or two. I'm going to say, Peter, let me just tell you, I've been spending, I've been investing my life in you. I, I told you the church, I was going to build the church. What are you thinking, boy? I would slap him silly. That would be me. I'd just be like, get your act together. I would be so angry. Not Jesus. He says, Peter, do you love me? <laughs> be my sheep. See, Jesus understood it wasn't about Peter. That betrayal was aimed at him. It was an enemy's fiery dart aimed at him to try to bring him down, and he wasn't about to buy into it. Instead, he reinstated Peter. I love that. And then there's Judas who, oh, my goodness, Judas. Woo Judas, I, I just, that boy, I, mm, it, you know Judas. He set Jesus up. He propelled him to the cross by what he did. He was on Jesus' inner circle. He was one of the 12. He kept the money bag. I'd be like, Judas, big guy. 
what you doing here with all these soldiers? <laughs> what are you thinking? Not Jesus. Judas comes up and kisses him. I'd be like, kiss me? Kiss me? What do you think you're doing? Not Jesus. He lets him kiss him and he says, do what you came to do, friend. He calls him friend. I would slap the boy silly. When, when, when Malchus got his ear chopped off, when Peter took Malchus's ear off, I'd be like, Peter, get Judas too while you're at it. Let's get them all taken care of. That would be me. But not Jesus. Do what you came to do, friend. Because he understood the bigger picture. He understood he wasn't battling against flesh and blood. But there was an enemy. And he wasn't about to take it out on flesh and blood. We got to understand where the battle is. You might be here sitting, sitting here tonight thinking, uh, you know, we, we've got to recognize where our battle is. Some of you are sitting here and you're thinking something, you're thinking, oh, it's just a random thought. No, it's not. It's been put there by the enemy of your soul as a fiery dart to bring you down, to cause an explosion, to inflame your mind, to inflame your emotions, and we cannot be unaware. He's looking to inflame your mind with lust. He's looking to inflame your mind with hatred. He's looking to inflame your mind with anger, with jealousy, with insecurity, with offense. And when we react and we get all fired up, we allow that fiery dart to land in our life and bring destruction. It's what he intended it to do. But instead, we need to take a moment and we need to remove ourselves and go to the secret place and drench ourselves with the water of God's word and get up in a posture that's pleasing to the Lord. That's how we extinguish uh, fiery darts. If Dave and I are in a spat and I want to say something sassy back, I need to instead of letting that thing inflame me and me responding back with a fiery dart, I need to say, just excuse me a minute, I need to go be with Jesus. And I need to get away in my secret place and I need to stay there until the posture I have is not one to fire a dart back, but one that'll pray for my, pray for my husband, speak well of my husband, bless him, respect him, honor him. And I don't come out of that closet until I'm ready to do that. Because that's soaking your, that's soaking your, your shield. That's oiling your shield. That's understanding where the attack really lies and what the battle is all about. We need to be so soaked in the word that when the enemy leaves, uh, he leaves with the, his tail between his legs saying, that didn't work. She's so saturated. He's so immersed in the word of God that, that her shield is so drenched that nothing is penetrating and nothing is getting through. I have a true story I've wanted to tell you for several weeks now, but the Lord just wouldn't let me tell you. And uh, today when I was finishing up my sermon, he said, now it's time to tell that story. I was at the post office a few weeks ago, and um, I pulled in a, a parking spot, and a gentleman was parked next to me, and he uh, got out before me, and he kind of cut me off as I was getting up on the sidewalk, and so I said, oh, I'm sorry, and, and he turned, and, and I just made small talk with him. He looked like a, just a normal guy, nice guy. I, I talked to him for a little bit, and then I got out in front of him, and I was walking into the post office, and he was behind me, and I could hear him muttering something, but I thought he probably wasn't happy that I got out in front of him, maybe. I just kind of discounted it, and... Um, so I went in, and as I went into the post office, I saw somebody that I knew, and she came up and hugged me, and I stood there. I hadn't seen her for a while, so I was talking to her for a good period of time, and, um, and uh, the gentleman 
was following me in. He was on my tail coming in, and then I had stopped to talk to her. So when I finished my conversation with her, I got in line in the post office, and when I got in line, I heard the muttering again, and I was like, where is that coming from? And I realized the guy was right behind me. Now, this is after a conversation with somebody, and, and I'm back in line, and he's right behind me, and he's muttering. And so I just began to pray, and I was like, Lord, just thank you. Just th thank you that I'm covered with the blood of Jesus. Thank you that you, I'm filled with your presence. I thank you, Lord, that I'm safe with you. Because now I'm a little, he's a little, I'm not scared, but he's just different. And, um, and, and so he's really muttering more and more and more. And I kind of get closer because I want to know what he's saying. And he comes right up to me and he says, this is what, honestly what it sounded like, and I, I wrote it down because I don't want to get it wrong. He said, um, she's a human shield. She's a human shield. Fire. She's hot, hot, hot. She's a human shield. That's what he kept saying. That was what he was muttering coming in. That's what he was muttering in the line. She's a human shield. She's a human shield. She's hot, hot, hot. Fire. She's a human shield. And he just kept repeating that over and over and over. And I looked him square in the eye, and I began to pray in the spirit in the post office. <laughs> and he stopped. And he backed away. We waited our turn in line. I went up. I knew the clerk in the post office, so I, she took my package. I mailed it. I was asking her about her children who were, had just got into a new college. We have a long conversation at the post office. And I leave, and I go out, and I go to the lobby, and I'm going to check the snowdrop mailbox. And as I walk into the lobby, there's this foul stench, like foul. I can't, I can't even describe it. I, I was telling Dave the closest I can come to what I smelled was horrible urine stench, but 20 times worse. It was foul. And I was like, is he still here? And I, I'm looking around, and as I look up now, there's one entrance to my post office. And around the corner comes this woman, and she's wearing a long black coat. She's wearing a black knit hat. Her face is porcelain white, and she has black lips. I didn't pray quietly in the spirit at that point. Cameras all over my post office. I just began to pray in the spirit as loud as I possibly could. Went to the mailbox, got my mail, turned around. She was nowhere in sight. Walked out to my car. She's nowhere in sight. I get in my car and I pull out and the gentleman who, he's, she's a human shield, she's a human shield, pulls out right in front of me and almost hits my car and his, the back of his van is covered with skulls. She's a human shield. She's a human shield. I believe with all of my heart that that was a demonic assignment on my life that day. Not once, but twice. I'm not exaggerating any bit of it. You can ask Dave and Leslie. I've called them both on my way home that day. Um, and I believe it was a demonic assignment on my life. But because I had my shield of faith up, because I was oiled, I had spent time in the presence of the Lord that morning. I had spent time in the word of God that morning. Because of it, I was a human shield. He couldn't penetrate. He couldn't get through because I had my oiled shield, my soaked shield in the word of God, and I was ready for whatever attack the enemy would bring at my life that day. Are you ready?
Are you ready and prepared? Do you understand this is a battle? This is not, see, this is where we get in trouble. We actually think this life is what it's all about, that it's all about having fun and, and just enjoying life and getting the fullness out of life. Can I tell you, there is a heaven and there is a hell, and it is real. This is not a game. It is not a game, and we have got to start living, realizing why we're here. The Bible says that, the, that, that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, and yet those works of the devil are, are being amplified in your life day after day after day because you're not utilizing everything that, that the Lord died so that you could have to defeat the enemy in your life. Instead, you're giving him all the power in the world. You're, play, you're letting him just shoot those fiery darts right at you. They're penetrating time after time after time, giving one explosion after another. It's time, church, that we take up the authority that we have been given by the Lord and we take our rightful place as the church and we begin to, 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 to walk in the power and the authority he died for us to have. We're not at Disneyland. This is not a, a, a cruise that we can just go have fun on. This life, the Bible calls it a war, a battle. We need to stop living like it's Disneyland. We have a shield of faith. What is faith? I just want to go over this very quickly before we end. Hebrews 11, 1 gives us the definition of faith. He says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The word translated substance means a standing under or a support. It refers to a concrete foundation under a pillar. It takes a, a, thick con a thick foundation to hold up a pillar. And faith is the absolute concrete assurance that God will do what he promised to do. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent? That his word is yea and amen to those who believe. I'm telling you, I believe every word of this Bible. Every word of this Bible. I believe the ands, I believe the buts, I believe the semicolons. I believe every word of, of this Bible because it's God's word to me. And the Bible says that he is not a man that he should lie. It's not that he can't lie. It's, that, it's not that he won't lie. It's that he can't lie. It's impossible, the Bible says, for God to lie. That means that every word in this Bible is true. That means when he says he's your very present help in times of trouble, stop calling Susie down the street when you're in trouble. Call on God. When he says he's Jehovah Rapha, the Lord's your healer, that he is the bomb in Gilead, that he is the great physician, that he is God and nothing's impossible for him, when you get the medical report that the impossible just took place in your life, call on Jesus. Call on Jesus. He says he's Jehovah Jireh, the Lord your provider. When you are in a financial mess, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He says you don't have because you don't ask. And when you ask, you ask with the wrong motives. Ask with the right motives. Let him be your provider. When all hell is breaking loose and you have one enemy after another and, and nobody seems to like you, instead of having a pity party of one, agree with the word of God that when a man's ways are pleasing God, he makes even his enemies live at peace with them. Start putting out that shield of faith. Start calling things that are not as though they were. I'm healed in Jesus' name. I'm loved. I'm accepted in the beloved and dearly loved by God. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm a lender. I'm not a borrower. That's raising up that shield of faith. Faith is, is the, the, 
the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the assurance which one can have concerning the spiritual realm, which operates in the invisible, not the visible. The Amplified is my favorite. It says, now faith is the assurance, the title deed. I'm just going to stop there. The title deed of things hoped for. A title deed, I found the definition, is the legal document that has been signed, sealed, and delivered that lawfully transfers property to a new owner and verifies that person's legal right to possess it. Faith is your title deed. It's transferring property from one owner, Jesus, to, to me here on earth. And it's my legal right to use it. Oh my goodness, faith is my title deed to everything that's in this word right here. So when he says, pick up your shield of faith, pick up your title deed. If I went home tonight, you've heard me tell this story before, but if I went home from Bible study tonight and, and uh, a squatter, my son tells me about squatters all the time, how they're, you're stuck. When they get in your house, you're stuck because it's hard for the police to get them out. And um, if a squatter had moved into my home, and threw my furniture out in the, in the you know, driveway and moved in and took over my home, would I walk in there and say, you know what, I'll just go check myself in to Holiday Inn down the street? No, I wouldn't do that. I would call the authorities. And I would go up to my safe and I would take out my title deed and I would say, this house belongs to me. I am the legal owner of this house. It belongs to me. He needs to leave. Faith is the title deed of things hoped for. <laughs> I wish I could explain this the way I know it. Lord, help me with that. You see, when the enemy moves in, when he moves into your marriage and he makes it look hopeless and that your only choice is divorce, you need to tell that squatter to get out and call the authorities. And you need to say, what God has brought together, let no man bring asunder. You have no power to bring this marriage asunder. Two are better than one. And a three-chord strand is not easily broken. This is a three-chord strand, and it is not about to get broken in the name of Jesus. That's taking out your shield of faith. Well, when the enemy moves into your family and you have a prodigal child, you need to call the authorities and get out your title deed and say, this is a promise from God that my sons will be taught by the Lord and great will my children's peace be, that the offspring of the righteous are blessed and they're mighty in the land. My children are blessed. I call my children blessed. Face calls things that are not as though it were. And I am calling them blessed. I'm calling them mighty in the land. I am calling them. Do you see? it. See, but this is why we want a cruise ship. Can I just have fun? Can I have lots of friends? Can we go to church and say hallelujah? Can I just do my duty, check it off my list, and then can I go party and have a good time? Can I just be popular? I want to be popular. <laughs> and it's work. Leah, is it work? It is a battle. Every single day, it is a battle. And we cannot be unaware of the enemy's schemes. And instead, we're out in the battle. Oh, Don, do we have, do we have that thing where they build the picture where they have all the shields lined up? 
Yes, look at that. That's so great, isn't it? See, this is what they did. They'd lock shields. And they'd go out in this formation, uh, and they would, they would attack the enemy in that formation. Because, look, there's no place where the enemy can get to them when they're like that. That's the church. That's a picture of the church. That means if you don't have faith, get under my shield, baby cakes, because I'll stand with you, and I will believe with you. I will believe for you. I, I'll put you under my shield and will be protected by the enemy. That's why, um, what's the scripture? Confess your sins one to another so that you what? Can, so that you can be healed. There's, there's, there's power, there's safety in unity. There's protection. What? Protected from the enemy. Did I say by the enemy? It's one of those nights, yeah. Um, anyway, so that formation, I just love that. Um, that's why unity is so vital in the community of believers, is protection. When we work in formation, we form a wall of faith which makes the entire church safer and stronger. That's called a turtle, that formation. And so when they would advance on an enemy, the Roman soldiers would, would maintain their tight ranks and they would all lift their shields together and interlock them and, and, and go out in that formation. And that was an extra protection from the enemy. The other thing I wanted to make sure you knew is that you had to take it up, not put it on. We have to make the choice to take it up. And then the last thing I want to tell you before we end is that um, we talked at length about the difference between uh, physical and spiritual worlds. Uh, we are spirit beings. The Bible says that we're created in God's image and in his likeness. He is a spirit. And those who worship him will worship in spirit and in truth. We are spirit beings. We live in a body. Uh, we have a soul, but we're spirit beings. And so um, it, it, it's vital that we understand um, that, we, um, that, we're, it, that we're spirit beings and we exist in a spirit realm, even though we live in a physical realm, in a natural realm. We have a body that keeps us planted in, in the physical realm. But we operate in those two realms simultaneously. And so what's so interesting to me that I want to close with is that word shield, I told you it meant door, but here's the other part of the definition, straight out of my Greek dictionary, portal or entranceway. It's used of any opening like a door or an entrance or a passageway, but portal is what struck, stuck out to me. And so I looked up the word, I was talking to Leah about this, and I looked up the word portal in, in the dictionary. And the word portal, Webster's define it, defines it as a way to get or do something. A portal is a way to get something, a way to do something. <laughs> Shield of faith, a portal of faith. It means access. Carlton Williams writes this. This quote is phenomenal. Faith is the portal through which we take hold of a spiritual substance and bring it into the natural world. God has made faith the protocol for accessing, accessing spiritual blessings. Listen to that, that, that uh, quote again. Faith is the portal, remember, shield of faith, shield is portal. Faith is the portal through which we take hold of spiritual substance and bring it into the natural world. God has made faith the protocol for accessing, accessing spiritual blessings. Listen to me. Some of you know the scripture. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. 
because those who believe God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Without faith, without total trust in God, without obedience to his word, without believing his word is what that means, it's impossible to please God because those who believe in God must believe that he is and that he will reward those who diligently seek him. He'll reward those who extend their shield of faith. Do you see it? But faith, the shield of faith, and Lord help me to explain this, that word shield is a portal, a portal, a way of accessing something, a way of stepping into the next realm and pulling down spiritual substance and bringing it here to earth. We're going to talk in the next couple of weeks about making confession, about confessing the word of God, speaking the word of God, using the word of God as a weapon. That's why, because faith is a portal. It's a portal. The shield of faith is a portal. It's a way we we step into the spiritual realm and we pull down spiritual substance into this material world. Does that make sense to you or is it creeping you out? Because for some of you, that's a little too much for you. But that is what faith is. Faith says, your word promises me this. It's all, yeah, and I, I'm going up there, and I'm pulling it down spiritually. I'm going to pull it down through prayer. I'm going to pull it down through confession. I'm going to pull it down through, through, through just uh, declaring. You hear me often say, declare and decree. I declare and I decree God's word over people, over situations, because what I'm doing is I'm putting out my shield of faith, and I'm stepping into a spirit realm, and I'm pulling it down into this natural earthly realm so that I can see See it come into fruition. Are you with me? But we have to choose to do that. That takes work. It takes work. It takes intentionality. I'm, I'm shocked at the things that we put our faith in that are insignificant and have no ability to protect us. God's word is a protection. I just went to great lengths to show you how God's word is a shield and it protects us from the fiery darts of the enemy. But we go to great lengths to... Um, to uh, put our faith in things that are insignificant and have no ability to protect us. What are the things we put our faith in that are insignificant, have no ability to protect? Money, drugs, alcohol, success, relationships, power. Well, we think those things are actually going to protect us and, and keep us safe, but they're, they're insignificant compared to what God wants to, to, to provide for us in his word. So back to my funhouse mirrors. Anytime you view your life in the natural, expect what you see coming back to you, reflecting back to you, to be an inaccurate depiction. It'll be tainted and misleading because you're actually looking at your circumstances thinking they're an accurate representation of what's happening in your life. When God's word is the only mirror you should be looking at. The Bible says that in James that the mirror of God's word. When I look into the mirror of God's word, he reflects back to me the truth of my situation. What it's really like. Uh, in the natural, the distorted funhouse mirrors say, it looks like this situation is not going to end well. It looks like this situation's hopeless. It looks like this situation's bad. But see, when I open up the mirror of God's word and I begin to look in it, it gives me an accurate depiction of my life, that nothing is impossible for God. And that those who believe that, that, that those who put their hope in the Lord will not be disappointed. See, that's what I get when I look into God's word. Do you see the difference in the mirror of God's word? So, Scripture commands us to not be unaware 
of the enemy's schemes. 1 Peter 5, 8 in closing says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, and steadfast in the faith. Steadfast and safe. That's how you resist the enemy, standing steadfast in the faith. But, but I want you to see, seeking whom he may devour. Notice he has to seek whom, whom he may devour. The only way he can devour you is if you let him. He's looking for someone whose shield isn't up. He's looking for someone who he may devour. And imagine what would happen if you started to raise your shield of faith and say, devil, you may not. You may not. And the only way you can do this is, as Peter says, by being sober and vigilant. You say, we listen to um, teachings about fiery darts and we think it's not a big deal little too weird for me, Rhea, and yet probably every one of us sitting here um, have had fiery darts launched at them this week. And instead of seeing them as fiery darts, we just think a person has done this, or a situation arose, or an unkind word was just carelessly spoken. But that's looking at the natural. And if you don't position yourself to realize that you're in a spiritual war and not a natural one, you will become a casualty of war. I was thinking this week about how even the Israelites, when they went into the promised land, God had given them the promised land. It was this beautiful place flowing with milk and honey. But they still had enemies they had to defeat in that land. There were still giants that they had to overtake in that land. And you and I want the promised land, but we don't understand that there's still territory we have to take back. There's still giants to defeat. And we do that with the word of God, with that shield of faith um, out there. So next week, we're going to look at the helmet of salvation. I, I'm wondering, I, I feel like I need to do both the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. I'm going to try not to, but um, we're going to move on to that. I'm going to talk to you about your, your mind, your thinking processes, um, renewing the mind, thinking on the things of God, that type of thing. Uh, so we'll cover that next week. And um, So I found the scripture tonight that, that rocked me a bit. I, had, I knew it but I, I saw it in a way I hadn't seen it before. It says, uh, my friends, we are not those who give up hope and are so lost, but we are of the company who live by faith and so are saved, delivered, set free. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and preserve their souls. I said to Leslie, what if we preserve our souls with our faith in God? What do we say souls mean? Mind your will, your emotions. The enemy is trying to inflame your mind, your will, your emotions. And what if the Bible says that we are those who preserve their souls by faith in God? What if we preserve our mind, our will, our emotions by exercising our faith in God and in his word. So Father, I just thank you for every man and woman in the house tonight. I thank you for the blessing that they are, for the way they're here. Lord, they could be any other place, but they're here seeking your word, wanting to hear your word. And I pray, Lord, that you'd strengthen them according to your word. I pray that the word that was spoken over them tonight, Lord, the enemy would not be able to snatch it away. 
that it would produce a harvest in their life. I pray that it would continue to prosper in their heart and their mind, even as they go home tonight on their beds, that they would give thought to it. Lord, with the same measure and thought we give to the word we hear will be the same measure of virtue that comes back to us and even more. So I pray that we would continue to think on this scripture and that you would continue to bless it, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.